Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adamizenheimer. And we're back for another packed show of Vancouver Whitecaps and MLS chat. And it's a special month for us, Zach, here at AFTN Towers. This is our 10th anniversary month of the podcast because at the end of the month, on March 28th, when we bring a podcast out that day, that will be our 10th anniversary from our very first one in 2013. This Does that include your your, your little uh, precursor with... No, no, oh, it okay. doesn't. That that was I class that as something different. West Coast okay. Soccer Weekly with with Pierce Lang. No, this is just for the AFTN one. Nice. We are the the longest running soccer podcast in Canada, and we're going to be ten years old come the end of this month. I had hoping to get a few special things done. I've been really busy that I've not been able to line up some of the chats I was wanting to do. But if there's anybody that you think you know what in this special anniversary month, we'd love you to speak to them. Ryan Reynolds, obviously, we yeah, still naturally. He, he's maybe just a little bit behind with the episodes and just hasn't got in touch yet. I was going to make a suggestion, but I think we might be hearing from that person in a different form. Oh, now, now I'm intrigued. <laughs> no, you're not. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, if there's anyone that you think, oh, I'd love to hear them on on this special month of the shows, and let us know. It doesn't have to be players either. It could be. Like national team players, it could be just anyone involved in football, commentators, writers. Uh, maybe we'll get Goldie looking chain on. We've wanted to have them on for for a while. Maybe we, I don't know, Victor Montagliani, FIFA vice president. He'd be a good person to get on the show. I'm sure he listens. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, let us know who your ideal guest would be, and we'll see if we can get them. But in this show, we are going to kick things off by looking at Vancouver Whitecaps and their latest loss, the trip to San Jose, a, a place that just simply can't win in, it would appear. And I, I was going to say, and I'd started to, to do this in my match report, and then I listened to to Vanny uh, uh, as we spoke to him after the game, that the San Jose game was a case of deja vu. It was just like the RSL game. But Vanny says, no, it wasn't the same as that RSL game, because against RSL, 
We dominated in the first half, but he felt that this was more an even game. A draw would have been a fair result, the way that both teams played. He just feels that the Whitecaps just need to be more decisive in the the crucial final moments in front of goal. And Julian Gressel basically afterwards said uh, they just need to be more clinical uh, in front of goal. What, what was your overall thoughts of that game, Zach? Yeah. It was this. It was disappointing, right? I think I said in the show last week, like they're going into San Jose and they have to be gunning for the, uh, the absolute minimum a point. Like they can't leave there without a point. Mm. And I mean, neither team could really afford to lose that and get off to an zero two start. Yeah, I mean, it's not obviously not must win, but yeah, both no. teams were going into it being like, yeah, we need to take full points here. I, I, it was also just it was felt a little bit like deja vu right like like within the season deja vu you know like mm. you get the lead there's some positive signs you're feeling po- at halftime everyone's feeling positive in the community whatever right and then it just all goes wrong in the second half and again roughly the same point of the second half as yeah. well it's just yeah i mean the, the lineup the, there was two changes Laborda came in for his MLS debut for Tristan Blackman. I thought that might have seen Blackman move to right back, really, but I guess Javain scoring last week saw him keep his spot. I know you weren't. Well, I just know you weren't super high on Blackman's performance. No, I I thought he had a poor game last week, to be fair. So, I mean. Yeah, so when I saw that, when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, if you're not dropping Brown, then yeah. Then he's even listening to Michael maybe a little bit. I, I I think from some stuff we'll hear, he he really isn't. <laughs> um, we have some some disagreements on but, some aspects of the 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 team right now. Well, the, the evidence of that, though, of course, came in the in the other the other change in the starting lineup with Vite coming for Dahomey. Yeah, uh, Dahomey, I thought was really good in the last game, and I think, uh, like we said, on um, as we you know reviewed last week's match. It, it probably would have made sense to you know drop Brian White in, in favor of Vite and put Dajo up top. Um, yeah, I would have liked to have seen that. It's I thought it was a, a a harsh one, but I mean, great to see Vite back in. Yeah, I, I saw some folk though saying that Vite had a terrible game. I thought he had quite quite a good game, like not outstanding. I mean, I think my biggest cheat or surprise is in the the lineup. It's what wasn't changed because I, I thought there might have been some change. In the in the fullback positions, I see why Brown got the start because he did score last week, and he you could pin the goal, the first one on on him, and he maybe wasn't great defensively last week. I would maybe have moved Blackman there, but I mean that might be something for down the road. Left back though, I really thought we'd see Ali Ahmed get the start in this. Louise Martins was not great last week wasn't great in this one either you could finger him a little bit on the two goals and I I just thought Ali might get the nod but maybe Vanny just didn't want to have too many changes out there especially with a game coming up midweek as well yeah I think you you saw in the first game that Martins was uh, susceptible to defensive errors or being outmatched or being taken advantage of and it definitely yeah Came, came to the four once again and away to San Jose. 
I think it, it feels like they're maybe protecting Ali or they feel like mm. maybe he's not ready or something, but um, I guess they don't want to be interesting to see how that develops. And expectations on him. I mean, the, the thing with Martins, though, it's like the way he finished last season, I thought was outstanding. Yes, this exactly. Is not the same player totally. that started this year. That's um, that's the thing. I know I should know the answer. I know you asked before, answered this for me before, and I'm pretty sure the answer is the same this time. Uh, is is Christian Gutierrez still injured? Like, is he, it he's close to getting back. Yeah, getting back to like Vancouver Whitecaps or oh yeah, uh huh. He's yeah, definitely okay. involved. If they've built, they've mended the bridges and okay, yeah. I mean, he's he's going to be involved. And I think right now, the sooner he, we can get him back in the lineup, the the better it's going to be. Yeah, because he he could add the. I mean, again, he's also not known for uh, initially for his defensive play. He's more known for what he can bring going forward. But I think it would be nice to see how he could fit into this as well if you're not feeling like you can start Ali. Although Ali continues, you know, to be someone who is exciting off the off the bench. But my, my worry with this start is because we've been going on to Vanny four at the back. Don't go with three at the back. If they keep losing and the four of the back's not working, is he going to go back, revert back to to try and force something different by, by going to three at the back? And maybe that is something that we might have to look at down the line because it just it's just not working in the final quarter of these games so far. And it's a small sample size. It's the start of the season and hopefully they are going to learn. I mean, Vanny gave a quote after the game. I wrote this down somewhere here that it, it was a quote I've never heard of but before I've got to say so maybe it is an, a, an Italian I was going to say was it in Italian Michael? Well it, it's in English but I'm paraphrasing now because I can't find exactly what it is but he said something like uh, you know what they say three coincidences make a clue he's like let's stop that now and just have two coincidences hmm yeah Anyway, um, let's get into the game. So it started, Cade Cowell had a header that just flashed wide. That was a kind of warning shot for, for the Whitecaps. But Whitecaps responded, took the lead, 17th minute. And nice little 1-2 between Alessandro Schopf, Julian Gressel, the Austro-German alliance coming to the fore. Haven't seen that kind of Austria-Germany link-ups in about 80 years, Zach. How did I know you were going to make some kind of comment like this? Hey, even God. the Whitecaps tweeted something out about Austro-German alliance and stuff last night. Are you serious? Yeah. They didn't tie it into the war, obviously. But how can... What, is there, what other connotation is there? Michael? Just because they're very close together. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. No, I mean... Um... It was a very nice play. Uh, it was a very nice goal. It was a quality, quality finish. It was. Um, I, I don't know if you watched the post-game interviews. Uh, Julian no. Gressel basically said, yeah, we tried this in pre-season and Alessandro just didn't make that final run. I kept giving him the ball, but he wasn't there. At least this time he was there and finished <laughs> And it's like, whoa, that's kind of burying him a little bit. But I think that's more just like he's being blunt and honest. He's not yeah. trying to tear the, tear the guy down. No, I know. But I mean, it's great at least that Schopf has learned. And if those two are going to link up like that, that's a very exciting potential partnership in that midfield. And it's great, I think, 
Schopf was one of those players that we talked about that we didn't see the best of him last year by any stretch of the imagination. So mm. we we weren't really sure what we were going to get this year. It's like he's a new player, almost, you, you could say. A new addition to the team. And I'm not going to bite on that one, Michael. I know. I, I was trying to. I even went twice to see if you would. But if he can link up with Gressel like that, and now he's got that monkey off the back of the first goal, I'm, I'm liking what, what I'm seeing from him. Yeah, uh, I know last year people felt like, okay, he's, uh, you know, come over and he wasn't in, in fully, kind of fully himself. I, I do think this is the kind of, a con- the type of contribution they can expect from him um, on a more regular basis. And he can help, uh, you know, raise their, their overall, you know, uh, tally of goals from midfield. Um, but yeah, I, I, to me, I just I love the finish, just the, the yeah. awareness to just see, okay, the keeper's kind of coming this way. I just need to just tap it back to the open side where there's just a sliver. Yeah. And, and like you said, quality pass from Gressel. Um, really, really encouraging to see that final ball, that kind of final ball from Gressel that's not just a, a cross or an mm-hmm. early cross and not, you know, only coming from Ryan Gold. Um, so uh, lots to... Lots of lots of encouraging things on, uh, you know, on that play, the opening goal, and uh, you know, opening half in general. Well, the Whitecaps need those two guys to step up as well because, like last week, Ryan Gold seven key passes led the league. This week, no key passes right, from yeah. Gold at all. So that's the kind of stuff. If he's not performing, you do need other guys to to kind of step up. And the Whitecaps, I feel, had a good first half, and Gold had a half chance to kind of make it to White played a pass to him but it was behind him and just Gold couldn't kind of get to it and swivel himself round at first I, when I saw it I was like oh Gold should have done better there and then when I watched the replays like it was the wrong pass from White it's just not where it needed to be it needed to be just in front of a Gold and the White Cats would have been two goals up and you're looking at a whole different game but the Whitecaps also rode their luck, like Ibo BC missed a header. That you've got yeah. to get that on target. Yeah, when I was watching that, I was just like, oh, okay. So my comments from last week about Ibo BC <laughs> not being that great, you know, they were on point at that point in the match. Then we had a bizarre incident where the San Jose keeper Daniel threw the ball at White's head oh, as yeah. he was trying to clear it. Even then. Brian, with his form, couldn't direct that anywhere near the goal. Like 50 pence piece head, as we say in Scotland. But I've got to say, like we talked about this in our previews. Like San Jose bringing in a DP keeper. I said, that's a, an unusual position to waste your DP money on, especially when you're a team that's needing other improvements. He has not impressed me so far. He was a bit of an adventure in that game. Yeah, but he's got them three points, Michael. Well, true. I mean, you can say that. First half, Whitecaps were outshot 11-4. to But the one shot that mattered was the one that they got on target and it went in the back of the net. Now, Vanny was asked after the game, did they change their plan and tactics in the second half? No. They just couldn't execute it. The plan was to keep going with a high press and to attack the space behind. He felt that the game wasn't too different in the first half and the second half. Again, like last week, though, it felt like their opponents just found that other level. 
And as the game went on, for whatever reason, the Whitecaps collapsed in on themselves, played too deep, and allowed their opponents to take the game to them. And just like last week, it paid off for, for San Jose. They got the reward in the 68th minute. Ah, Ibo Bisi's header. The ball's played in. He rose above everyone. A lot of questions to ask you about this. Now, the first one, similar to that short corner last week that allowed the ball to get played in, this was a, a pass that this time the Whitecats players did attack the ball and it kind of feels like three of them just went to the ball. And it's like, okay, I don't think it needed all three of you this time to go to the guy. Yeah. But again, a player rises above everyone else and gets a free header. Yeah. Uh, did you see? Did you see the stat? So, Ebobise, did you see the stat flash on the screen? I, I watched it on TSN this time. This time. Ah, I didn't. Uh, I watched on Apple. So I don't know. This came up on Apple, but on TSN they flashed up this thing that said Ebobise has, I think, believe the number. Uh, apologies if I get this number wrong, but I believe it was fourteen headed goals in MLS since twenty. 19 or something and that's a league record or like a, wow. the highest in the league in that in that time and again of course you know him having just scored um you know uh you know two games two goals he's making me crow from from what i said from what i said last week but yeah i i think it's unmarked players in the box are always gonna you know be dangerous or do damage to you and you know, Steve's not here to talk about the marking and who's picking up what space and if they're staying with their with their person or whatever. But it, it is greatly, greatly concerning. I, I'm just watching it back that first goal again. And it's like they take the free quick free kick quickly. Yeah. Dahomey's just like running around like a headless chicken. It's only two guys that actually go towards the balls that's getting crossed in. Ryan Gold's just standing in acres of room with nobody really around him and not doing anything. And well, he was checking the left winger. Yeah, uh, I mean, you, you can't really fault him by that. It's just it looks bad to see a player just kind of standing there. But no. again, there's bunching in the box. There's four Whitecaps players in the box. And there's five San Jose players in the yeah. box. And at the back of the box, you've got a completely unmarked guy. Now, we'll, we'll the, talk about zones and marking spaces and stuff but in the a thing, bit. But the thing, yeah, but here. The, the zone thing this type of play is the same as taking essentially as taking a short corner where you give the ball back to the, the, the original corner taker to open up space to create movement to get p people yeah. to into open space or, or free from whoever might have been marking the space that they were in or whatever and again it's like two weeks in a row where they've been caught out uh i mean at least it felt like with this one, someone was at least close to him. You know, like the yes. the, I think the glad goal last week, it felt like he was all alone, which is why, the, you know, the keeper's holding up his hand saying he was offside last week. Um, but yeah, it felt too simple, like too simple way to beat to beat the Whitecaps. And it felt like San Jose had like prepped for it, like just the way the intentionality with, with, that, with which that early free, uh, the quick free kick was taken. And the recognition of hey, give it back to the tick, the kick taker, allow him to put it in while our, while there's movement, whether you know there's movement in the box, is too simple. It's too easy. Talking to the keeper then, Takaoka. So yeah, he, he starts to come and then checks it, 
and he's kind of going back a little bit. Now, he has got fully back when the header comes in. Could he have done better on it? He doesn't really get a hand in it at all. and It goes into the top corner, and I know folk are going to say, you might even say, oh, if he was a bigger keeper, he'd have more reach to get to that. It's on, honestly, I think that's at least part of it. I, I mean, and I know you have another perspective to add to this or whatever, but it does feel like uh, someone who has more natural height maybe gets this. But there, talk about the other factor that I think played a, a significant role in this. I, I think because he was going back a little bit, he wasn't yeah. set, so he couldn't get a strong arm to it. That said, though, he isn't anywhere near it. Yeah. So I don't know even if he was set that he was going to have reached it. Yeah, the it seems like the first error is that he does step towards the ball like he's going to come for the cross uh, and then realizes quickly that he's not and starts to step back and that, yeah, maybe that puts him off as he's going to, uh, or as he goes to try and get a hand to it over. But it, 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 you know, it didn't look great for him. So we're at 1-1. We're thinking, oh no, here, here we go again. Or are we, are we going to get back in it? I do agree with Vanny. I think it was a fairly even game. And I still think it could have gone either way at this point. But then, 77th minute, we come to the winning goal. And I I like this goal from San Jose. Nine passes to set this up. A near post finish. I always think it's bad for a keeper to get beat at his near post. But it was hit with some pace. It was a really good shot. But before we even get to that, just the build-up play, San Jose just knocked that about with ease. And the Whitecaps just, it felt like they are just chasing shadows. Yeah. It was, like, it was like playground defending. Yeah, I think, well, there's an element to all this that we'll, I think I think we're going to talk about in a, in a few minutes. But um, yeah, it was, um, it came from a throw, and I believe if memory serves me right. And it was, yeah. Like, it didn't feel like initially like there was that much threat, right? Mm-hmm. Like, as the ball comes from the right side all the way cross field to the left side, it doesn't seem like there's that much threat. But then you're right, the interconnected passing in the middle of the park from San Jose, where the Whitecaps are kind of just watching them do it, and then they get to the open man, uh, Akpo on the outside. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, I think they're in, in um, Takioka's mind, part of it is he's thinking this guy's going back across goal. The, you know, the higher percentage ball is maybe back across goal to get the keeper, you know, moving one way, put it the other way. Um, but no keeper wants to be being at their, their near post. Uh, you can see it on his face after the goal. I mean, it just it does just go in at the near post, right? It's really tight. Yeah. But yeah, it, you, as a keeper, you can't have that happen. When you when you look at it back, and obviously we've got the chance, we can slow it down, we can look at it all now. The seventh of the nine passes, Ebo Bisi's, but he plays it inside. He gets the ball and there's five Whitecaps players around him. Yeah. And then he just plays the ball off and then the guy's in acres of room and then you've got on the back post a capo that's just then wide, wide open. Like, who was meant to be picking him up? Well, yeah, what is the, like, what, what I mean, it's a fair question to ask. What was going on in the middle of the field with all the players bunched up, right? Like, well, what? Did- when you freeze frame it, even before... A capo gets onto the ball. There's five White Cats players hurriedly trying to get over to him. So yeah. I mean, he couldn't have played it anywhere else apart from the near post because it was going to get blocked. So yes, that's true. Yeah, that is true actually. Which, but I don't. Does does the keeper know that though? You know no. what I mean? 
Like I don't know if he has the sense of of that. But yeah, for for the for Akpo the the shooter, uh, whose name I think I just butchered. But yeah, for the shooter, a, a capo. I mean, you are a capo. You should remember that. That's true, a capo. Okay, so he for him as he looks at it, yeah, he goes near post because he can see that 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 far post is is being blocked off by you know some of the uh, some of the white caps who are hanging out in the box. But like the pass. Because it's Ibo Bisi to Espinosa, and when Espinosa gets it, a lot of players in his position would just have had a shot or tried to go in and go, but he's got that awareness to take the touch and then play it out to Capo. It's a great team goal. It's Oh, totally. For for all you can talk about the Whitecaps defending there, San Jose did so well in their ball movement. I mean, even after that, the Whitecaps had a chance to maybe get something from it. Tiber had a shot that Daniel tipped around the post and of all the guys that you'd have thought would maybe have got that you would maybe not have thought Tiber but he, he he did everything right apart from putting it in the back of the net I don't think there's much more he could have done there was the scramble chance as well where Brown and Cordova seemed to combine to stop the ball going into the, the net just disappointing yeah I'm sure there's not too many people who would have been excited to see the ball fall to the feet of, of, of Rusty and we'll talk about him more in a moment or yes. two yes but um, yeah, it was it was unfortunate uh, that, that that's who it fell to, and his shot wasn't horrible. Was it was his right foot too? I think I think it was his right foot. That I don't remember, but I think it was his right foot. I think it was his weak foot. So. I thought it was going to to go in. I really, really did. And at first, I didn't even think Daniel would go over to it. I thought he had just flashed it wide, and it's like, oh no, it's actually a good save. I mean, yeah. there, there's a lot of negatives we're going to look at, but I do want to to say a couple of positives which was, and we've touched on it, Schopf and, and Gressel, I thought they were excellent in the middle of the park. I think the midfield in general through these first two games have done well, and I think they have moved the ball around well. But there's not really a lot of other players that's kind of covered themselves in, in glory right now, and Vanny's talked, he's got between 16 and 22 potential first-team starters. He's going to have to go to see which ones are working right now, because some of these ones currently aren't yeah now you've got to question vanny's subs again massively yeah he said he made them because he wanted some dynamic subs to come on as the game was fast-paced and going up and down sorry are you serious yeah that 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 seems crazy okay dahomey i think you can say dahomey fits that yeah, yeah totally Tiber, I think, was to kind of shut it down a little bit at the back. So yeah, to... and same same with uh, same with uh, Berhalter, right? Yeah. Now that one was a little bit. It's because Shop got a knock. Oh right. Okay. That the sub yeah. was forced a bit early than than he want. But once again, you're taking Julian Gressel off. Yeah. Now, it, it, to me, to me, actually, the bigger thing is is. Uh, as much as it's easy, the low-hanging fruit to, you know, maybe pick on a Berhalter or a Rusty or whatever, um, is, yeah, why are you taking off some of your your most dynamic players who, who it felt like had more to give in the in the game? Because the game did turn on those substitutions, right? Like, yeah. the first, like, as soon as, it was like, as soon as Rusty came on, that's when the first goal came, right? I, I don't know if you saw the retweet that I did that at the time of this has been retweeted more than 70 times. A Twitter account, Rolling Ball Promotions, had 
just done a kind of mock-up of one of those things that you get. Ten haunting photos taken moments before disaster. And it's just a still of Tiber and yes. the homie coming on the yeah. pitch. It, actually, that is your only tweet uh, of the weekend that I have seen. <laughs> and that was not even mine. It was a retweet. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm still laughing at that. And I'm la- I, I've laughed at that way more than I really should have. But it just... I mean, folk have piled on to Tiber. But Vanny said he felt the game was going through the number eights a lot for both teams. Um, so that was why he didn't change the fullbacks and why the changes that he made were in the middle of the park to add a, some fresh legs on in there. I'll be honest, see when Berhalter came on, I genuinely said to myself, well, I'd forgotten all about him. <laughs> he hadn't even registered in my head that he was a Whitecaps player. Because oh, I've been wow. looking at other guys and I, I genuinely had, and this is nothing about Sebastian, I just had forgotten he was on the team. He was just not in my mindset at all as a player that was going to feature. Now, obviously, Tybert came on and he's had a lot of abuse again. I, I, well, it's a, it's a, it, it doesn't feel like it's a great move that they, they've they kept him as the club captain. And well, that was one of the it, things that's had a yeah. lot of people because he, Gold handed over the armband. Yeah, he comes on to the game and your best player by more than a country mile hands over the armband to a player who's not your best player by a significant distance as well. Like it just, it uh, it's so the, whatever you want to say about the chemistry and the locker room and stuff, it's so infuriating to their fans that it like, it seems tone deaf to kind of continue on this route. And I don't think that these players don't understand that. Right. Like I, th- I think that, I think that if I think that if Vanny went in and said, "Hey, look, this year, guys, uh, uh, we're going to make a change in the captaincy. It's going to be uh, Ryan Gold or whatever. He, you know, he was our deputy last year, and he's going to be the, the number one guy." I don't think you have a single person in that room who says, "Wow, this is a horrible thing. I can't believe they did that to Rusty." I think every single player says, oh, yeah, I get that. Rusty's mm-hmm. not going to start as much this year as we've already seen. Uh, Ryan's going to be playing as much as possible and is our best player." And has leadership abilities like it. It, it uh, it's yeah. Mate, it's like you're. It's like they're upsetting. It's like they're upsetting people over something that is so simple that they don't have to get wrong. Yeah. They're getting it wrong. What I will say is he is officially the club captain, so I do understand yeah. why that happened. Oh, I understand. But, oh, I yeah. understand why it happened. I mean, like friend of the show, John O'Flynn, tweeted at me today was taken aback when the captain's armband was placed on Russell by Ryan Gold. I do understand that this is arrangement, but I would say it would have been more appropriate to do if Gold was to be leaving the field of play after starting as captain. And Susan Dillon replied to that going, I agree, personally, I'm not a Tybert fan. I won't start about his play and an on-field hold-up decision-making. But yesterday someone mentioned that he's a great ambassador. And I just don't get that. I don't see any sort of connection by him with the fans. And that is an actual point because the club hold him out as being this ambassador, but the fans don't seem to like or appreciate him. No, I'm not. I'm trying to just state this as facts. I'm not trying to attack Russell personally here because I have a lot of time for Russell. Well, yeah, we've known him for years. Russell's a great, great guy. Like I I like, I I like him as I like him as a guy. But you. You have to, I mean, uh, you know, it, 
football is about accountability and you have to be able to, you know, um, objectively look at a situation and recognize what the best decision is, right? Like, uh, and to say that he, he should still be the club captain is, I don't, I don't think in touch with, you know, reality. And again, no, again, nothing about him as a dude. Like, I think he's a great dude. Yeah. He's done tons for the club off the pitch, but that's not what, that's not what the situation calls for. And you could alleviate some of the frustration with uh, some of your fans if you took the the quite obvious action. You know this. Yeah. Now, I, and again, I'm not defending Russell here in any way, shape, or form to say that he should be a starter or a regular feature. But I do like him being a guy that comes off the bench every now and again because he is solid yep. if you need a defensive person in there. And yeah, he could have scored yesterday. And it would have been interesting to see what some of the reactions would have been then if he'd managed to salvage a point. But, well, but I, I it's think what that, I always he, say, if you want to improve this team and you've got Russell Tiber as a starter, but she isn't at the moment, but, then you, you've you still got a lot of work to do. Yeah, totally. And I think I think had he done... That's the thing, though, Michael. Had he done that, he scored that goal, equalized the game, I think people like yourself and most objective people would say, yeah, that's what he's there for. That's what you should do. I, I, um, you know, not like, oh yeah, that means he should be starting. It's like, no, he did his job. He came on, he helped him claw back. You know, he gave up, gave up the lead, but helped him get it back. You know, whatever. Yeah. Or he get back he a is point. a good squad player, despite yes, what football yeah. say. He's the kind of guy that every team needs. It's like a Jake Nerwinski. Like to me, Jake Nerwinski is not an MLS starter. Or at least he wasn't for the Whitecaps. Maybe, I mean, he's he's done fairly well so far with St. Louis. We'll come to them in their last part. But it, it's like you you need guys like Tiber, like guys like Nerwinski that's got MLS experience because you've got to have depth players that's got experience in the league. But it was maybe, was he the right guy to, to come on in that situation? I mean... Well, no, the, guy, I, I, the one thing I'd say, but like I said before, is I don't think you should be taking off the, the players that they took off. Like, like to me, yeah, I don't think Gressel should have come off at all. Gressel and Schaap should not have been coming off. In my no, opinion. I, I, Vanny, we were talking about this to Vanny on Monday, and he clarified that against RSL, that Cordova was meant to come on for one of the two strikers, but then they conceded the goal, so the sub was going to get made and it hadn't quite been made. So I'd asked him why he then took Gressel off, the best crosser of the ball, when you've got your big striker coming on. And he said it's because they needed to take a midfielder off because they'd conceded and they had to have the, the additional striker. And they felt that Gressel was tired. Now, Gressel this week came off in the 65th minute. Yeah. And we're not seeing the metrics. Maybe his levels had dipped or whatever. But to me, Julian Gressel is not a 60, 65-minute player. Not He's a 90-minute player. Not at all. Now, now, maybe they're not saying this, Michael. To, to me, one of the things I could get them, you know, their concern is like, hey, we're concerned about the Champions League. But to me, still, it's still not a, not an excuse. Like, you still, uh, the, and we'll get to the Champions League later, but the quality mm -hmm. that they're playing in the Champions League, I don't think is, you know, at the MLS level in this round. Um, and, and so you can maybe get away or sorry, you should be able to, I think, in my opinion, get away with, um, you know, 
having altering your lineup for that match as opposed to the league match in this case. And so if any of it was like, oh, we got to keep them a little bit fresh for Wednesday, I think that that would be misguided as well. I do also want to say one a positive thing uh, about the substitution is um, it was it was good that um, Brian White came off earlier for Cordova in this match. Yeah, um, Van, Vanny had said during the week that they didn't know how long Cordova could go. If he if he could go forty five minutes, he probably wouldn't be a starter. If he could go an hour, he might get the start. So I, I guess the feeling was he's not really ready to, to go more than an hour, so they didn't want to start him. So he came on in the 55th minute. Brian White came off, and again, to me, Brian did not ha- have another fantastic game. Now, I'll play a little bit of audio. I, I asked Vanny on Monday just for some thoughts on if he was concerned about Brian White's form just now, and here's what he had to say about that. I'm not concerned uh, because he missed a chance in front of the goal. Like because if not, I uh, I should have been concerned about Dahu. I should have been concerned about Gold. I should have been concerned about uh, a lot of players. Unfortunately, Saturday because we missed a lot of chances. Uh, actually, I think that Brian played very well. Like a lot of chances that we had in the first half, it's because of his link-up play and because of uh, how he pressed. Uh, uh, the opposition. So I think that uh, he needs uh, to uh, rem- be reminded and remind, and he needs to remind himself that uh, that is his game, and he needs uh, not to make the goal an obsession because that would be a problem. Like if he thinks that he, he needs to score every time, then it's when you don't score. Uh, he, Yesterday was a couple of times in a position to see. Yesterday, sorry, Saturday was in a couple of times in a position that he could have scored. And uh, uh, the more that he gets in those positions, the more the chance will come, and he will be he will be helpful for the team also in scoring goals. But you know, it's uh, it's not uh, a concern. A concern would have been uh, if he wouldn't press, if he wouldn't link up, if he wouldn't be able to help the team. And he actually helped the team last week. So Vanny says he's not concerned about Brian White missing the chances in front of goal because everyone misses chances in front of goal because, and you asked me this last week, because he offers other stuff like his pressing and his link-up play. But that's not what the Whitecaps are needing from the guy leading the line. That's what you're needing from one of the backup guys, the, the, the two in the four-three-two-one formation. It's what you're wanting to do, the stuff that Brian White's doing. Now, I mean, what what did you make of Cordova? Again, it's a short sample size, but he hasn't grabbed me yet as, oh, this is going to be the answer to all, all the team's problems right now. No. And he was, like, all over the pitch too, right? Like, mm. I, felt, I felt like he's still I, – I think they're still trying to figure out how best to work with him, and he's still figuring out how, you know, to, to – to to make the right run at the right time and to get into the flow of the game and to get on the ball and so it's still it's like a feeling out period right like they're still trying to figure each other out a little bit um because yeah I didn't think he was you know he, I I didn't think he added what they're you know hoping he will. There's a tweet we got from Kinsing Cheng who said according to Vanny they were having an honest game. 
Not sure what that means, but it's definitely not what I saw in the field. We were getting destroyed in those wings, and we can't defend headers at all. Yeah, Vanny on the broadcast, he looked a little nervous in like the 88th, 89th, 90th minute. Did did you notice that? I didn't actually, no. Yeah, he looked, there was one moment where the look on his face was like, oh, he's he's feeling the weight of this, which I felt a little bit bad for him. Hmm. Um, But... uh, Let's let's hope he hasn't read some of the social media from after the game because I think he was free to read that. Yeah, I I I would hope Frida will not pass that on, or Pablo, his other cat that he's got. I mean, defending is obviously a, a, a concern. I, we we've talked a lot about zonal marking and man marking, and again, I'll play some some audio. I asked Vanny about this on Monday and. I think it's fair to say me and him are, are not on the same page as to, to what is the best for the team with this. Here, here's what he had to say about that. The, the other side of the pitch, the, the goals that were given up, just wondering if you've got any different thoughts on them now from what your comments were after the game. Looking back at the first one in particular, Eight White Caps players in the box, four RSL players, but only two of the RSL players are actually picked up. Is there a danger that <laughs> your players are so focused on marking the spaces and the zonal mark? No, no, it's not. Just not showing awareness of what's around them. No, it's not aware because they didn't mark the space well. That's the problem. The thing is that uh, 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 you guys are always asking the wrong question in this, in my opinion. That's uh, because the question is not the man who needs to pick up because we don't need to pick up the man, but we need to be in the right spots. And unfortunately, three of our players, they weren't in the right spots. If the, those three players were in the right spots, uh, uh, the ball would have been contested at least. I agree with you that was our defensive mistake, but it does. it's not because we were defending too much the space. It's because we didn't defend the space. But, but shouldn't they then react better? No. Like see, see that there's something happening? No, because if you're not in the right position, how can you attack the ball, uh, Michael? The, the problem is that when you play a collective games, the, the, you need to be related to what your teammate does. And unfortunately, uh, we had, uh, again, three players in the wrong spot. So we had a lot of players in order that they had to mark a, 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 a bigger, a bigger space than they had, and that's the, and that's the the problem that uh, that happened. No one needs to follow that run of Justin Glad because it's a mistake. Because if you follow the run, and the the ball arrives instead of there in front of you, and it arrived uh, where you are supposed to be, and someone scored, that's a fault of the. Uh, that's that's another mistake. Uh, the mistake was against. We were we had. Uh, when this kind of situation happens, we have a specific set of uh, position that you need to hold. And we had three guys that were not in the position, were actually, uh, to be honest with you, they were relating themselves, at least two of them, to their men instead of the space. And that's the reason why we consider a goal. So Vanny doesn't feel that the zonal marking is, is a problem. It's because, and this is re- referring to the RSL game, it, it's because they didn't mark the space well. 
He said, we don't need to pick up the man, we need to be in the right spots. If players were in the right spot, the ball would be contested at least. I followed up, should they react better? He feels no, if they're in the right position. If they're not in the right position, how can they attack the ball? And when you play a collective game, you have to know where your teammate is and what he's doing, and they just didn't do that. Now, I wanted to ask more, but obviously it's a media call. You don't want to just keep pushing the same point when you're clearly not agreeing, but I I just I don't like it. I don't think the players are fully understanding where they're meant to be. So then you have to say, whose fault is that? Is it the training during the week has not got them ready? Or is it when the game starts, it's all going out the window and then they're looking around them and they're getting very confused out there? Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that, I mean, I don't think you ever know the truth of that, right? But it yeah. doesn't, It do, what we're seeing does not look good and things are not working. And so whether it's more, uh, quote unquote, reps in training or, um, more clarification in training and in preparation for matches. Something, something's got to change because it. Again, it's only two games. It's not the end of the world at this at this moment. Yeah, that's but what we have to it, point out. But it is significant enough to be concerning, right? Well, especially when you've made such a big deal of we have to get off to a fast start this year, yes. and you've oh, got off yeah, to the worst totally. possible start. I mean, the only thing I would say about the goals last week to this week, last week. No players moved towards the ball. This week, they were chasing after it like a, a greyhound chasing a rabbit around the track. Now, first two games, done and dusted, lost. Vanny Fields should have got a win last week and a draw against San Jose, so we should have four points on the board, but we've got no. Um, they've got to start making the points up now, is what he's saying. Now, last week, the Whitecaps lost their season opener for the sixth time in their 13 MLS seasons. It was the seventh time in the 13 seasons that they didn't win on opening day. That other one was a draw. Now, of those other five losses, they won their next game twice in 2015 and 2020. In 2016, it took them three games to get a win. 2017, it took them four games to get a win after drawing their opener. 2019 was the worst when it took them seven games to actually get a win. And last year, it took them till game five to get a win. Now, 2019 was MDS's first year, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think if you look at 2019, you think that that was a horrible year. Last year wasn't a horrible year, but it wasn't a fantastic year. Speaking of MDS, you saw he got his new bling, right? I did. Yeah. I, I I watched the the LAFC Portland game uh, nice. pretty much in full when I got back from I was out up at UBC on Saturday doing some rugby coverage for the the, the Thunderbirds up there and yeah you're, you're doing commentary on the egg chasing eh? oh no no I'm not doing commentary I'm doing the scoring and the recaps on it oh I'm a how, multi, how was, multi-talented person how was the egg chasing I it was the the women's rugby sevens. Oh, okay. Very exciting and very fast-paced if anyone's watched Rugby Sevens. Doesn't help in one of the games. Th- th- these are 14-minute games, two seven-minute halves. One of the teams from Regina, I did question whether they'd seen a rugby ball before. They got beat 79-0 in 14 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot of tries. Yeah. That was hard to keep score. 
because I'm writing things down. I look up and they're going over for another try, and it's like, oh. Sorry, did you say 79? 79 nil. Wow. Yeah, they lost others by 50-something nil and stuff as well. That's like 11 tries or something? I, I genuinely was really? losing count. It felt like it was one every minute, and it was really hard to keep track of. But anyway, back to the I, I heard one sort of comedian, a comedian talking about, about that, about how, like, oh, you know, Amer- uh, North Americans go on about their sports. and like, yeah, football is so low-scoring or whatever. It's like, no, we love, like, American, you know, it's – you know 21 28 or whatever it's just like it's like well actually it's uh four touchdowns to to three i know if you look at it that way it's just four three (laughs) they don't look at it that way though that's yeah that that is a very valid point we just made each goal worth six yeah or seven so the white cats need to turn things around and quick and they've got two chances to do it this week we'll talk about the champions league in the next part dallas come to town next saturday so already feels like a, a huge, great game. Because, I mean, the, the pressure has to be mounting on Vanny a little bit. And as I said, the online reaction to Vanny has not been great. Folks saying, oh, he's they need to get a better coach and they need to, to get uh, someone that's maybe more tactically aware. So he's going to know that the pressure's mounting on him. It, it's hard to even look ahead to Dallas just now because we don't know what the team is going to be for this game against Real España mm-hmm. midweek. So, I mean, how much pressure do you... I feel I'm going to ask you this every week now. How much pressure do you feel Vanny is under? How how long or short is this leash that he's got? Again, I think the he's still under... The pressure he's under still is more external as opposed to internal. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, no one's happy when you're not winning. No, you know, um, or, or, you know, you start a season without winning. <laughs> I, um, I feel he's definitely, no matter what, got up to after the the first Canadian Championship game. Oh, yeah. I can if, see If, that. if that by the sense. end of that game, they're out of the Canadian Championship and they're out of the Champions League and they haven't got a good start in MLS, I think that's hard to come back from. Hopefully yeah. it doesn't come to that. I would still like oh, to no. see a run for back-to-back Voyager's Cups, but... Do you say, sorry, no wins at that point or just being... Oh, no, just bad start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would hope yeah. we've got something on the board by then, but... I, I, I do I do want to just kind of comment on something I think Steve said, I think, on the last episode. I do... I think he talked about, like, oh, you know, uh, they probably have someone in mind, right? Like, they, mm. you know, if they're being... Yeah, know, I was thinking about that. that being, being good executives or whatever, you always got to be forward thinking and, you know, what if this happens or what if that happens or what if, you know, what if you did really well and your coach got poached or whatever, yeah. you know, there's all these different different ways to look at it. So I think, yeah, I, I mean, I'd be shocked if, uh, if Axel doesn't have someone kind of on his, you know, the back of his mind, right? Like this, this would be, you know, two coaches that, that he's had here that wouldn't have been his choices, right? Like, or, mm-hmm. or sorry, his initial primary choices, right? So MDS was, was already here, right? When Axel got here or is it yes. right? Yes. So, so he didn't choose MDS. Um, and then with Vanny, it was like, I think we feel on at least some level, I mean, this might be wrong, but we feel on some level that it was like, they didn't have a choice after Vanny, you know, took them on that that big run and got them into that that the uh, that playoff game right after they got rid of MDS. And so it felt like okay, you have to sign him. Um, so you you I, you gotta assume that Axel Schuster has someone in the back of his mind as someone ideally he would like to see 
coach his team if there was was ever to you know a change needed to be made for any reason um with 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 the white caps uh and that might also be tied into uh, the other departments, you know, in in the in the footballing side of things, with you know, maybe there's someone in, in his conversation with Nick Overhaul that he mm-hmm. that he thinks this would fit more what what these players, you know, could could do better or, or that kind of stuff. Now, again, I don't I don't think that there's any panic at the moment. I think there's disappointment and frustration. I, I think there's been but... two good halves of football, and I think that's totally. what a lot of folk are forgetting. Exactly, so, I mean, the exactly. signs are there. But you also look at what's coming up, and this game against Dallas next Saturday is a big game because you feel they have to get a win there, or at least point on the board, but ideally a win. Because after that, they round off March away at LA Galaxy and away at Minnesota, and that's two tough places that they're going to be going. But I, I think I think Wednesday has the opportunity to be like a nice boost for them. Yes. Like Hopefully. a feel-good, a, feel a win at, at home. Feel good, and then you um, move into a, a league match, kind of on on at least a one match kind of role, where maybe you know you've been able to show you you score three three or four goals, and there's some some excitement again, like we were talking about in the preseason and the build up to the, to the year to the campaign. Good on them. I don't know if you've seen the promotion, Michael. You know, if you're a season ticket holder, you can get ten dollar tickets to bring your friends out to the. Oh, I haven't game. actually seen that. Yeah, I saw that posted somewhere that if you're a season ticket holder, you can buy more tickets to the match for $10 each um, to help bring your friends to experience it. And I think that's a another, like we talked about last year with mm-hmm. the Warriors Cup finale, is a great way. No one, no one's looking at this being like, oh, they if they don't have the same crowd that if they did opening day on a Wednesday night Champions League for a team that, let's be let's face it, most of the local community has never heard of. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, if you that's your expectation that the crowd is the same, then your expectation, I mean, that's crazy. But they're doing things, and maybe they're doing even more than that one promotion. They're doing things to say, what can we do that's reasonable, that's helpful to get more people or even new people into into our ground to watch us, to support us, to, to get a taste for it. Um, and again, I think it's a game that they should win. And it could be a really, really fun night at BC Place for people. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be a pushover. And we'll no, chat, no, no. Yeah, we'll no. Chat, uh, chat about Real España and what this game holds in store after this. Hi, I'm Andy O'Brien, and you're listening to the AFTN radio show.
Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our new Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of March from Luxembourg, Oi Band Skin Flicks. And that's a song from their third album, released in 2001, Lies, Damned Lies and Skinhead Stories. That is What I Am. It's a band that we featured before on Wavelength in the show and they've got a a few football songs that we are going to be featuring this year, I'm sure. One of them you might even hear this month. So the skin flicks know who they are. Do the Whitecaps know who they are? Do we know who the real Whitecaps are for 2023? Well, I'm sure we will get a better gauge in the games that are coming up this month. And the games are coming up thick and fast because the CONCACAF Champions League kicks off on Wednesday at BC Place. 7 o'clock kick-off. Honduran side Real España are coming to town in the first round. Can the Whitecaps get through this one? Can they get their first win of the season and turn things around? It's... An interesting matchup. First of all, got to say how great it is that we have the Whitecaps back in Champions League action. Regular listeners to the show will know how much I do love this competition. But on paper, you might think, okay, they're playing the Honduran side. They're probably going to be the favourites going into it. And they probably are the favourites going into it. But it's going to be a tough one for them. Because having been to the Real España in January... They're now playing the other Real España in Champions League action. Real Club Deportivo España, to give them their full name. The the match has changed with it. The first leg now having to take place at BC Place. The Whitecaps were meant to be at home in the second leg. But due to home show scheduling issues, they've had to switch that around. And as we said in the show before, in this competition... Not necessarily a bad thing to be the away team in the second leg if you can sneak an away goal or you're needing to chase an away goal. The second leg will now be in San Pedro Sula the following week. Now, the Honduran side already have 11 league games under their belt this year in Liga Nacional Clausura. Match that up to the Vancouver's two in Major League Soccer and you're going to see that this is a Real España side that is very much in full flow and up to the the levels that they need to be for a game like this. So right away, that does put the Whitecaps a little bit on the back foot. Whereas the Whitecaps 2023 season only got underway last weekend, Real have been back at it competitively after their winter break since January 21st. Been a mixed start to 2023 for Espana with four wins, three draws, and four defeats from their 11 matches. Their latest game was on Saturday afternoon, a 3 0 home loss to Matagua. You can check the highlights out for that on AFTN's Twitter page. I tweeted out about the two, three minute highlights from that game. And a lot, I feel, the, the Whitecats can maybe be buoyed about from that match, especially on the way that Espana defended uh, against the goals that they gave up. They're currently sitting fifth in the standings in Honduras on 15 points. They've scored 18 goals. They've given up 14. 
So, depending on your glass half full, glass half empty approach to life, Saturday's defeat either ended a four match unbeaten run for them, or they've now just got one win in six, with three draws in there as well. I mean, both factually correct, it's just how you want to kind of look at how the team is in form coming into this one. They did finish fourth in the Apertura that was played from July 31st to November 19th last year. There's an 8-5-5 record from their 18 games in that, scoring 26 goals, giving up 22. They qualified for this Champions League via the CONCACAF League, having qualified for that with their performance in the Honduran League in 2022-2021. They saw off Nicaraguan side Real Esteli, 3-1 in aggregate in the preliminary round. A pair of 2-0 victories gave them a 4-0 aggregate win, over the Costa Ricans Cartaginis in the round of 16. Another Costa Rican side and conquerors of Pacific FC, Herediano, were dispatched 4-2 on aggregate in the quarterfinals, and that was enough for them to secure their CONCACAF Champions League berth. They eventually fell to Costa Rican side Alajolense in the CONCACAF League semi-finals. That was 5-2 on aggregate. Alajuensley went on to lose the final 5-4 to another Honduran side, Olympia. Now, interestingly, Real España were unbeaten on the road in their four CONCACAF league matches, drawing three games and winning one, outscoring their opponents 5-3 in the process. They were also strong at home too, with two wins, a draw and a loss, that loss coming in the semis, they outscored their opponents though at home as well, 8-7. to seven. So overall in their campaign, they outscored their opponents by 13-10. to 10. They had three clean sheets over their two matches, and two of those clean sheets came on the road. So they're not going to be pushovers. They've got a couple of guys that look like they're standout players. Their 34-year-old Argentine striker, Ramiro Roca, was the tournament's golden boot winner. He got six goals three more than his nearest competitor, and he was also the only Real España player named to the team of the tournament. Roca has three goals for the Honduran side so far in Clausura action, joint first on the team with Honduran attacking midfielder João Benavides. Benavides is also their dangerous playmaker, and he's the guy that Whitecaps really have to watch. He leads the team and the Honduran league with four assists in the Clausura so far, and leads the team on 22 shots, which is fourth in the league at the, the time of working this out. Only eight of those 22 shots have been on target, but still, he likes to get those shots off. They also really like to get involved in on-pitch stuff, it, it kind of looks like. You know the, the usual CONCACAF shenanigans. Defensive midfielder Maron Flores actually leads the Honduran league this Clausura with an impressive seven yellow cards and one red in his nine appearances. Getzel Montes, Carlos Mejia, Devon Garcia and Claudio Anella all have four yellows and there's a number of their other players on three yellows so far from their first 11 games. Anella also has a red, but yes, Uruguayan, so you kind of expect that. <laughs> so it's going to be a tough one, I feel, for the Whitecaps on Wednesday and the week following. I've got some keys to the game. These are my, my five keys to the game, Zach. The Whitecaps have to come out for this game on the front foot and put Espana under pressure early. 
That said, they also have to be tight defensively as they simply cannot afford to give up an away goal. I think it's vitally important that the Caps don't get involved in the CONCACAF shenanigans as much as they can. Certainly, you do want to wind up Real España though because you think they might snap and their domestic card record suggests that they can be a bit hot-headed. The Whitecaps will have to watch Roca. Despite his age and years, he's shown that he rises to the occasion on the continental stage. And my fifth and final key to the game, if the Caps can stop Benavides, then it certainly feels like they'll stop Espana in their tracks. Nice couple of early tackles, I think, from Kubis on him would be good. What's your thoughts on this one, Zach? How do you think things might go? Uh, that was uh, very in-depth, Michael. Thank you for, for that. And I think that's... I, I did a deep dive on Saturday afternoon when I was yeah. watching the Portland LAFC game. I think as much as I, <laughs> I said in some of our, our conversations about the San Jose defeat and uh, the choice to sub certain players at certain times, uh, yeah, I think that this is a game where there's going to be squad rotation. Um, I don't think it's being done in any disrespect to the to the Honduran side. Uh, so yeah, they can't take them lightly. We know Honduran sides, both club and obviously the national team. Um, you can't mess about mess around with them. Like you got to take them serious. And so I think part of what they need most probably is a, a clean sheet. Like they need to they need to keep it tight at the back. Uh, was it, is it Roca? Yeah, he's he's Roca. their he's the their striker guy to to watch really, and yeah. I think you, you keep him quiet, you keep Benavides quiet as their attacking midfielder, yeah. and they don't seem to have a a lot more to offer. I mean, nil nil wouldn't necessarily be the worst result either because it's up for grabs in Honduras. Obviously, oh. you want to go there with the lead, and I, 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 like I said this earlier, I know we maybe slightly disagree. I don't mind them having this leg first. Because the way that Champions League seems to play out for the Canadian teams, we always seem to get a goal on the road, which with away goals counting could be massive. Yeah, no, I don't think it's actually good for them to have. I think this would be much better if this was an away game, but that whatever, that is what it is. In addition to focusing on a clean sheet, Michael, the one thing I'm not concerned is I feel really confident. Like, even though I know you, you talk about... or. Um, they are very good defensively away from home and there's this potential for them to bunker and just, you know, you know, um, put a couple of lines uh, and just be happy to maybe get away with a, a goalless draw or try and nick one and one win one nil. Um, I really think Vancouver is going to score. Okay. I, I hope so. Because if, if they don't, I, that is going to be an ugly game of football. <laughs> I can't, I can't see them not scoring. And then it's only going to be a question of, can they keep either keep a clean sheet or, uh, can they maybe put in more than one? Which I again, I, you know, I can I can see very easily them getting you know at least two goals in this game, and getting like a two nil or possibly like a, a two uh, a two one victory. Regardless, people can watch this on is it on one soccer. It's one soccer, yeah. yeah. Which so again, you, the the deal that they've got to get people coming for ten bucks, it's kind of good as well because it's not on TSN. Yeah. So that's another thing. It's like, so, oh, this is your chance to come and see this. If you're not going to the match, you have one soccer. Uh, I would encourage you to watch this game because I think it will be entertaining. I think it's going to be a really intriguing match, as we often see in the Champions League, where you have football from different culture, <laughs> cultures mm. clashing with each other. So I think this will be exciting. I mean, and of course, going back in Whitecaps history in the Champions League, playing yeah. uh, Olympia from Honduras. Yeah, the, I, I, the, mean, I I love this competition. 
Yeah, that's where we met uh, Romel Kyoto, right? Yes. And then I, I got and, to hang out. And he, and he met the hospital staff. Yeah, I got to go hang out with him at the hospital after, um, which was fun. Um, <laughs> which um, which yeah. endurance player do you think it might be this year? No, no, I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, who? what's the guy's name? The, the dude who got me to the hospital. Uh, Minor Campos? Minor. Mi- yeah. yeah, Minor Campos. Yeah. Yes, thank you, Minor, for that. Um, okay, here, no- here's, here's a couple of quick questions then about the lineup. Do you start Takaoka or do you go with Hasao to give him a run out? That's an outstanding question. I, uh, I, I, I don't think it would be a horrible thing to start Hasao. Mm-hmm. Not, and not because of the things I've said about Tak- Takaoka. Uh, my concerns over his height or, you know, his backpedaling on that little goal or, or whatever. And I think they might have already uh, like had a conversation about this with the players like earlier, right? Particularly for, this game, this round, maybe this whole round, uh, is his hall is 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 Hassal's. Maybe the, the Voyager's Cup, due to the Canadian content, is also. I, I would imagine he definitely gets that. Yeah. For this, I think I stick with Takaoka. But I, then my other question is the other end of the pitch. Who oh. do who do you have lead the line? Do you throw Cordova in to get a ninety minutes under his belt, or as if, much as he can? If I Cordova... start to hold me personally, but. If Cordova's fit, I could see him starting as well. Um, but you're right, yeah. D- I think Dajo, this is a game where he, being from South America, I think he mm. should be more experienced in how to handle some of the quote-unquote concacafing or the dark arts of, of concacaf or whatever, which which are not as prevalent in the game anymore with VAR. The other thing as well is like we know how well Brian White did in the Canadian Championship. Could this be another cup competition that somehow brings the best out of him? Is this the confidence that booster that he needs? I, I personally start to hold me for an hour and then bring Cordova on on the hour mark. That's just the way I, I, I would go. And then those two guys have a chance to stay really guys that should be starting against Dallas. If you see this as an opportunity to get Brian White uh, in better goal scoring form, then to me it has to be done off the bench. Like, I, yeah, I would not start him over either Dahomey or Cordova. It's going to be an interesting lineup choice because obviously the club do want to go far in it, but mm-hmm. the start to the season may shape how they go with that. I, I asked Fanny after the, the San Jose game just for his thoughts on this match and his thoughts on Real España. Here's what the gaffer had to say. Taking this into Wednesday, obviously yeah, we had been looking to get the team off to a fast start. It hasn't quite happened. Is no. Wednesday one of those games where you can try and shake some things off? How much importance do you put on this game now, having lost these first two games? Well, the importance wasn't almost even if we were win if we won these two games, but especially now because we lost, uh, getting uh, I would say change of pace and and. And play better. It's uh, it's fundamental, and uh, you know, uh, it's a different game in the sense that uh, we need to think. Uh, maybe I hope that it's gonna be also because I don't know if it's a mental thing that you know twice we were up, and we and we conceded two goals. So uh, Wednesday is actually we don't have to think about it because. Uh, uh, whatever is the results, uh, we need to score the next goal and not concede because it's a it's a 180 minutes game. So we need to go 
uh, at the best of our ability on Wednesday and try to to win the game and uh, and not only to go further in the Champions League but uh, to uh, start a series of victory that uh, needs to happen also in the in the league too. What are you expecting from Real España? Looking at how they played in the Concacaf League to get here. Yeah. They were unbeaten uh, in all their away games. Are, are you expecting a team that's going to come in bunker? Because that has been the kind of teams that you've struggled to break down over the years. I think so. I think so that uh, it's going to be a team that is going to play with a low, low, low body center. So uh, I don't want to say park the bus, but uh, let's wait for us. And then they have very fast technical. I would say, you know, uh, typical Central American, South American players in, in a top that can be very uh, dangerous in counterattack. So uh, we need to be better than we've been in the in these two games, uh, uh, capitalizing the chances because you know today too we had the goal, two great chances in the first half, two enormous chances in the second half. And getting away, scoring only one goal is what kills us. Looking at their team, like they've got a couple of dangerous guys in Roca and Benavides, but they also look to be quite a physical team. They've picked up a lot of bookings in Champion and Concacaf League. They've picked up a lot of bookings in the Honduran League. Are you expecting a physical game? And how do you get your team not to get embroiled in all this kind of typical Concacaf nonsense? Uh, we need to be very good in uh, moving the ball fast from a side to another and uh, uh, putting in a way that uh, we're going to make the field as big as we can when we have the ball uh, with the width of our fullback and uh, the movement of our tents in, or- in order to create space and uh, avoid uh, them to, mm, let's say, make the game like, uh, as you said before, like a kind of a brawl where it's really hard to play in between the lines. So that's uh, what we need to do. Cheers, Vanny. So Vanny Sartini there just chatting about what he's expecting on Wednesday night. Now, if anyone watched the post-game thing and my questions about this game, with the third lot of questions, there there were some issues with the Zoom. So instead of us being able to type in the chat, oh, I've got a question to ask, and I would usually say, oh, can you come to me last? Because obviously you want to get the San Jose game questions out of the way. We just had to raise hands and we didn't know who else was on. And then I was the third person to ask and I was like, ah, crap, I'm going to be asking about stuff that's got nothing to do with the game and it's for stuff for later on. So if you were thinking that was weird that I was asking at that point, that was just why. But what's your predictions then for Wednesday? You, yeah, like you, I said, you I think quite hopeful there's going to be I, goals. I think it's going to be like somewhere in the range of two, two or three for Vancouver Whitecaps and zero or one for uh, the Hunter inside. I, I'll oh, go with two just just because watching the highlights of that game against Montagua, the defending was terrible at crosses. So if we can get crosses into the box, I, I mean, one of the goals was an own goal on Saturday. It's like we might not even have to do too much to get that over the line. 
I like using the phrase, the goalkeeper was an adventure. They certainly did look like that in, in the game at the weekend. So yeah, let's hope they can get it done, get that confidence, boosting first win of the season, and then take that into MLS action against Dallas at the weekend. And talking of MLS action, we'll be back rounding up the week's action in Major League Soccer after this. Hi, I'm Mike Dean. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. With a big smile on my face, I'll beat you black and blue. I send you spawning to the ground and there's nothing you can do. And I'll drag you along the floor, because I can take it anymore. Maybe I'll be doing time, but I don't care at all. I said, stick your disco. Stick your disco. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's another song from our new Artist of the Month for the month of March here at AFT and Towers, Luxembourg skinhead band The Skin Flicks, with a song from their second album released in 2000, Steel Toe Anthems, and that was Stick Your Disco Up Your Arse. MLS Disco were involved in a Whitecaps way after the first game. Did you see the incident on Twitter, Zach, of RSL's Jasper Loffelsend spitting on Christian Dahomey? Oh, no, but uh, I I, uh, I knew you had mentioned it on the podcast. I think, yeah, I think you mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, because I, I saw it as, as I was doing the final edit and I was just fuming that I had to go on to it. it it's, just, it's just something in the game I... like. I can put up with diving and I can put up with grabbing folks' balls and all that kind of stuff. Spitting is just, it just crosses the line to me. I think it's just absolutely disgusting. Lawful Send was suspended for two matches, but one of those has been suspended pending a future violation. So he's only going to serve a one game ban. I. How? Oh, I mean, it should be a three game ban as far as I'm concerned. But if he'd. He was booked for the tackle on Dahomey, and then he spat at him. So if it was picked up by VAR, and I know it's maybe a hard thing because VAR's not looking for something like that, but it should have been a red card. The Whitecaps were 1-0 up at that point. That would have been a whole different end scenario, you feel, in that game. And we'd be talking about a whole different mindset for the Whitecaps right now. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, there's no way that game ends the way it did. 
No, because I mean, he was actually quite good in the second half for RSL as well. Yeah. But yeah, just very disappointing. And I don't think it was a big deterrent either just to end up just serving one game. If he does that again, he'll have to serve another ban. But yeah, anyway, I just wanted to, to mention that to kick off this part because I thought it was very fitting that the skin flicks that you just go up your arse. Just go can stick that decision up their arse as far as I'm concerned. Okay, let us get in to our MLS Week in Review now. It might not have been a, a good week for the Whitecaps. It might not have been a good start to the season for the Whitecaps. But they're not alone. It's not been a great start to the season for the, the Canadian clubs in general. We'll get to that. A few other clubs kind of had interesting starts. Some really good, some not so much. But the Whitecaps finish week two, sitting third bottom of the Western Conference. Pointless, in 12th place. Five teams are still looking for their first win in the West. Four teams are still unbeaten in the West. And all four of those teams still have 100% records. And those teams are Seattle, St. Louis... LAFC and Minnesota, who did have a, a bye week this week. Interestingly, Seattle and St. Louis are only two teams of those four that have played two games so far. Three teams in the Western Conference, including the Whitecaps, sadly, are still looking for their first points of the season. The Galaxy and Houston Dynamo being the other two sides. So we'll, we'll get through our... Western Conference Roundup. I'll rattle through the games and then I'll kind of get Zach's thoughts on anything that caught his eye this week in the West once we, we go through them all. So the weekend kicked off Saturday afternoon, LAFC against Portland. The game was live on Fox to a national audience free so they didn't have to, to watch on Apple TV. And it was the defending champions who finally got to kick off their season after last week's postponement of the LA Derby, with a 3-2 win over the visiting Portland Timbers, in a win that they made more difficult than they should have. Giorgio Collini opened the scoring for LA in the 24th minute. Pretty sure not many people would have had him as the team's first scorer this year. Fired home a loose ball that, that came to him in the six-yard box. I thought, Ryan Hollingshead was robbed of a, a goal for an adjudged foul by the, the referee in the first half. Wasn't a foul for me, wasn't a foul for the commentators either, it has to be said. Didn't really matter though, as LA went two up moments later when Moreno clumsily brought down Opoku in the box and Carlos Vela hit home the penalty, moving him into the top 10 all-time for penalty scorers in Major League Soccer and giving the home side the 2-0 lead. That lead increased to three when Opoku scored seven minutes after the restart. Portland's record signing Evander then got his first goal as a timber to reduce the deficit in the 62nd minute. And then Christian Paredes set up an exciting finale with seven minutes to go, reducing the deficit to one. Poor goalkeeping by McCarthy on that for me. Poor defending all round, I think it has to be said, from LAFC. But that was as close as they got. LAFC continued their record of never having lost a season opener since coming into the league. They do look a force to be reckoned with again this year, still fine-tuning some things and 
Got a couple of injury doubts hanging around the team, but a good start for the defending champions. It was New England 3, Houston Dynamo 0. Goals from Bebe Barrero, three minutes before half-time, and then a second-half goal from Bobby Wood, and another from Brandon Bay gave the Revs a 3-0 win over a and kind of out-of-sorts Dynamo side, who went horrible. They did manage eight shots for them on target, but they're just simply not clinical. They're just not clicking in front of goal just now. Austin got their first win of the season, a 1-0 win at home to Montreal. And it was a bit heartbreaking for Montreal because they played well enough, solid defensive effort, but they lost to an 88th minute Maxi Uruti goal. Jonathan Sirwa had four saves in that one. After the game, Montreal felt that they had done well, but maybe the difference was that in the build-up to the goal, there was four players involved in the Austin goal and three of them with the subs that had come on, so it was those fresh legs that had got Austin over the line in the end. It was Dallas 3, LA Galaxy 1. The other LA team got their season off to a horrible start in Texas and in their first game after last week's postponement. It was all going well for them when Dejan Jovalic fired them ahead in the 35th minute. Alex Velasco tied it up for Dallas two minutes into stoppage time finishing a, a nice cutback to send the teams in level at the half. Then the home side took over. Pair of goals from Jesus Ferreira shot them ahead in the 56th minute after controlling well in the box, then added a second and Dallas's third eight minutes later. Ellie actually had six shots on target to Dallas's four, but again, it all comes down to the clinical finisher in front of goal. It's let a number of teams down this first couple of weeks and the Whitecaps being one of those. New boys, St. Louis City continued their absolutely tremendous start to the season, making it back-to-back wins, a 3-1 victory over Charlotte in their first ever home game. And the first ever goal at City Park came in the 25th minute, Totally against the run of play, it has to be said, because St. Louis were totally dominating in this one, and it was Charlotte that took the lead. A superb header from their Argentine DP, Enzo Capetti. Four minutes before half time, St. Louis City got their first ever home goal, and it was also scored by Charlotte. Bill Tulioma headed a cross over the keeper into the net. Great ball in from Jake Nerwinski, giving Tuilomo all sorts of problems and just a looping header that the Charlotte keeper could not keep out. And then deep into first half stoppage time, St. Louis went ahead from the spot after a clear handball. The German, Edward Lowen, dispatched it with aplomb and then no looking back for St. Louis City after that one. After getting a gift in Austin last week, They got another this week from a horrendous back pass. This time, it was Santa Claus himself that pounced on that gift. Adelson Melanda will certainly want that one back. Good 3-1 victory for St. Louis City. A 22,423 sellout for this one. St. Louis became the fourth expansion team to win their first two matches. The last two teams that did that were Seattle and LAFC, and look how well they've done since coming into the league. It felt an absolutely amazing atmosphere in St. Louis. It's a city 
with just such a rich American soccer history, really, going back to the late 1800s. It's now on my list of stadiums that I really need to get to, along with KC and LAFC and Austin. Manuel Veth was at that game and chatting to him about it, he said it was just absolutely electric there. It was a fantastic atmosphere and St. Louis City doing everything right so far. So that was an exciting game. Not so much Colorado sporting Kansas City. Goalless draw in this one. Sporting threatened throughout the night with 11 shots on target, which is the most in a match by an MLS team this season. And Kansas City's most in an MLS road game since October 2010. But again, just not clinical in front of goal. Rapids goalkeeper William Yarbrough had a career-high 11 saves to ensure a share of the spoils. No goals yet for Kansas City this season in their, their first two games. Both games have been in the road. Peter Vermees fairly happy with some of the stuff that he's seen and he just needs to kind of work on just getting better output in front of goal. You feel it's coming if they are creating all those chances. And the last game of Saturday that we'll talk about in the West, Seattle 2, Real Salt Lake nil. Last week's conquerors of the Whitecaps couldn't do it on the road again in Cascadia. Seattle stayed top of the table after that 2-0 win over RSL. Two more goals from Morris and Haber on the scoreboard for the Sounders and they've hit the ground running. We thought it would be a different beast from the Seattle that we saw last year. They didn't have that Champions League distraction and... They're looking good, they're looking strong, they're leading the, the pile just now. So that's my roundup of the Western Action, Zach. Anything from that that kind of really caught your eye? Uh, I mean, there's exciting things happening in uh, St. Louis, both on and off the pitch. I mean, a sellout for their, their home opener, you're always going to get that, but I mean, it looks a great atmosphere, and as I mentioned Manuel Veth was at it. He's been raving yeah. about what, what they've built there. And we're, we're pleased for Lutz. Lutz. Yeah, totally. Lutz finished, Jill. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wasn't nice. even going to try and pronounce his second name. Oh, I thought, okay, yeah. Um, we do need to get him on the show, actually. It's like, oh, yeah. it'd be great to catch up with him. I haven't spoken to him for a long, long time. Yeah, it would totally be great. Uh, I remember he played for, I think he played for the Calgary Mustangs before he came to Vancouver in the old A-League back in the day. So I remember, Do you know, I think, he was keen to come back to Vancouver. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. But didn't didn't work out. Didn't work out. <laughs> we, um, went, we went in a different German direction. There you go. Um, LAFC looking good already. Seattle looking good after two games. Yeah, your favorite team. Mm. They, they uh, are playing some nice stuff just now, it's got to be said. So what does it say that they comprehensively beat, uh, you know, RSL? I guess it was they were... Mm. They were at home, right? Seattle was at home in that game. Yeah, so were we. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, it was like it wasn't an away. They didn't win away to yeah, us. No. Um. So it's maybe not as profound, but yeah, no, I think yes. I mean, these are the teams. We, I, I, I think I put in our preseason prediction that they would be at the top. LAFC plus. Yeah, I guess uh, the big surprise just now is maybe the Galaxy Seattle. having that horrible opener, but they did out, out shoot Dallas in it. It's just they went clinical in front of goals. Yeah, but did you see them in the derby last week? So good. Yeah, I mean, they thrashed. 
they thrashed him and yeah. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get that on July fourth. There'll be fireworks that day. No, yeah, I think I, I think um, a special day for LAFC, right? So they won the game and whatever. Their fans are always you know do quite a good job at supporting their team and, and stuff. But um, it's the kind of game you you feel like you get that boost, right? They brought out the trophy. Yeah. Um, so who was there? Uh, the golfer was there, and Max was there to bring up the trophy, right? Yeah, that was nice. Um, and so, and then they get their rings or whatever. So it was like they had this, you know, extra motivation or this, you know, extra something extra to celebrate. I kind of actually would have felt. I think I think the Galaxy might have got thrashed last week if it was against them. Um, maybe even worse. Um, but uh, yeah, so. LAFC uh, just keeps on uh, keeps on chugging along, and uh, I mean Portland having... did make a game of it in the end. I mean, I will say yeah. that. They, I mean, they they came came back, but but did you ever feel like they were going to come like get back into it? I I didn't until I went to three two, and then I thought, you know what, I could see them just because Portland seem to be, they're one of those teams that when they're on a roll, they find those extra goals and stoppage time, and they they didn't this time around. Yeah. I mean, we won't look at the East, but we will touch. We've mentioned Montreal, but but let's look at the other Canadian team, Toronto. They they got what really is a good one-all draw at Atlanta. I watched the first half of this one before switching over to the the St. Louis game, and Toronto were poor. They were outplayed by Atlanta, but then Toronto went ahead in the 52nd minute. It was a nice finish from Bernadeschi. It was a move that started from the back with Sean Johnson and they were simply allowed to move the ball and Bernadeschi was just allowed to run at the Atlanta defence. He wasn't closed down. He fired a low one in from the edge of the box. Then Atlanta tied it up from a a deflected Matthias Rosetto effort. It was a a good Bernadeschi goal. You're right. Defending wasn't great. And it's good for him to get in that kind of form of, hey, he scored... You know, back to back weeks or whatever. I think but, I saw that he'd scored in ten of his fifteen games or something so far for TFC. He's been a really good addition. They will feel, I think, really hard done by by that deflection. I, and I don't think Sean Johnson is a great keeper at the best of times. Personally, um, I, I guess I still have visions of of uh, it was Gersh. Was it Gersh? Gersh or Eric? One of them shooting from like you know halfway into the half and it like bouncing over over him and at the Empire Field in twenty eleven. Um, but um, when he was playing for Chicago, I think back in the day. Mm. Um, but uh, no, that was that that deflection was brutal. Like that's the kind of thing where it's like because it really, I think they, they could have had all three. Yeah, I mean, getting away with the point, the way they played in the first half, I think is good. They look like they need more additions. They need still some work. It's a hard place to go and play. Bradley said afterwards, Bob Bradley, that. The the football was not real good, was his quote, and that they struggled to connect passes and they play in the Atlanta end, but he was pleased with their defending as a unit. Now, for the second week in a row, though, Bradley had to make a first-half substitution because of injury. Last week, it was Lorenzo Insigne. This week, it was new striker Adama Diomande. TFC do hope to have Insigne back next week. Atlanta got their star striker, Georgios Jakimakis, on. Jakimakis was struggling to get a visa. So it's not just the white caps that can't get those visas over the line. It is a big issue, as folks seem to, to just ignore. But came on the bench in the 59th minute. I'm expecting him to light 
up in this league. Didn't have a great first half hour, didn't get any shots or anything, but I think he'll be a good player. For the Canadian teams, though, six games played, just one point taken from the 18, which was that one by TFC. It's, it's been a tough start for all three of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not It's not been good for the Canadian sides. Um, one last thing. Can I make a comment about I know you mentioned this already, but, like, at, at what point do, like, the teams in MLS have to stop, like, gifting St. Louis gold? Yes. That is two games, two horrendous back passes. The one this week was not as horrendous, but it was still poor. It was I, not. I, it I, was I, not as horrendous, but it, it was like still. Yeah, it was shocking. Yeah, it was shocking. <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, Klaus does amazing when the chip. I mean, you, when you get that good of a pass, you can't. You cannot score. But it was a beautiful finish. He reminds me of Eric Castley, like getting his his MLS career off to a great start, and then we'll we'll see if his career goes in a slightly different way from Hasley's. But that that's our roundup for for MLS for this week. It's pretty much it for the show. Of course, though, we have to bring you this week's wavelength and Zach. It's our favourite time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's Football Violence Awareness Month. I know you carried the torch for that over in Qatar for us. I really do appreciate <laughs> that. Oh and I, oh I, I, because of that, I, I've picked a song by a group called Violent Affair. Cause... Are, you, are you doing this just because of the events in San Jose? No, we, we haven't even touched on that. If anyone hasn't seen it, read Vancouver Albion's experience Instagram. down in, in San Jose yeah. where they got some stuff nicked and they've got some video and stuff. But no, it's March. It's Football Violence Awareness Month. And we're, we're going to kick the month off with a song from 1999 from a Sheffield punk band called Violent Affair. It's the third track on their four-track EP. Let's have it! And this is simply called Hooligan. Come 
Violent affair, hooligan. Do the hooligans understand the damage that they've done? Yes, they do, and they don't care. We'll have more football violence aware this month coming up. We've got a song from the the artist of the month, the Skin Flicks, to bring you a few other ones as well. Ah, I love it. Still have to get those ribbons done. Just have to get any merchandise well, done. Maybe for our tenth anniversary, we'll see what we can do. One day we'll have to get you to con- condemn football violence and hooliganism. I, naturally, I, I, I do. Naturally, I do, yes. <laughs> that is it for this show. Just before we go, any final thoughts, anything you want to mention this week? I know there's a big game coming up for Vancouver FC on Monday night, but this podcast will be out before that game, so we'll have to save chatting about that to next week. But anything else you want to talk about? This podcast will be out before the game or after the game? It'll be out before it, so you can plug the oh, game. If you're listening to this and it's before 7.15 on Monday, March 6th, you should come, yeah, head on up to Noon Athletic Park. We'll there might be even there. be a Steve, a Steve sighting. Are you going to be there? I'll definitely be there. I'll be cheering oh. on BB5 United. So all three of us. Wait, so you're going to be supporting BB5 United? Yeah, they're my boys. <laughs> I I love BB5. I'm just, Ted I'm giving, is a great I'm coach. You. They've got great players. They are. I, I'm going to put this on record. They are going to beat Vancouver FC. Yeah, Marcel de Jong. Marcel de Jong. Yassinessa. Maybe one of their surprise player. Could be a surprise player. Could be a surprise player. Depending okay. on registrations. Could be two <laughs> surprise players. Two surprise players. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No. It should be good times. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Zachariam. If you want to get involved with uh, the supporter culture around Vancouver FC, you can uh, get in touch. Uh, FVFanatics at gmail.com. Uh, aside from the Monday, March 6th, uh, get together. There's the Monday, uh, Saturday, March 25th, 7.30 p.m. at Mineroo Park in Richmond, where uh, the, uh, we'll be taking on Tigers. And it's yes, also a- FC the, day of the, jersey, the day of the jersey launch. Yes, which detail, I, detail. I will say I don't understand why they're doing that in Richmond. But yeah, that that's fair. Uh, I think though, I think uh, as I think I don't know you and I have talked about. It, I'm sure, but I, th- that's kind of if it fits with when they have to launch when they're launching their jersey anyway. Yeah, which is but what I would say FC Tiger. I mean, uh, it's in conjunction with Fusion as well because they've been right. five games in conjunction with Surrey FC, so they're trying to involve as many youth clubs as possible. Yeah. And FC Tigers have a, a tie-in with Fusion, so that yeah. is why the game is in Richmond. In Fu- in FC Fusion Tigers is- though play out in the Valley, so it would have made a lot more sense right. to me to have it in the Valley and have your jersey launch there. But totally, that's what it is. Fusion is is the JJ the- Jason the- Jordan, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be fun. He's he's dynamite that fellow. Yes. Um. But yeah, so get along to that. If uh, if clear your clear your plans that evening. It's a Saturday night. Come watch the football. It'll be fun. 
Yep, there's a lot of football to get played in the next couple of months. Just get out and support it as much as you can. If you haven't got your tickets yet for TSS Rovers game against Valor, please do that. We want to pack out Swan Guard. Give us a follow on Twitter at AFT in Canada. Like, subscribe, notifications, all that stuff on YouTube, AFT in Canada. If you enjoy the podcast as well, don't mention this as much as I really should, but please leave a review for us uh, as to what you think of it. Hopefully a, a nice one. But yeah, it'd be good on, on whether it's Apple or Spotify or Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to it. If you want to leave us a review, it would really help with the algorithms and all that kind of nonsense. But that is it for this week's show. We're looking forward to Wednesday night in the Champions League. Hopefully see you there and we'll be chatting about a couple of victories in the next show. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care and mon the caps! Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. <laughs>